Welcome to SIN 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Sean Thompson, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. You know, we have different people on for different purposes. Okay, so like Kevin Harney or the guys that write books and they're big time evangelists and they're very instructional and all that. But other people come on because of the style of love that they use and communicate Jesus or they're in a tough environment. It's probably written right into your job description, don't share Jesus or something like that, right? Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. So I think you really can encourage and inspire people that might be in tough places. Not everybody is built to do what you're going to tell us that you do, but it's really important. And people that are made for it should be doing it. So first tell me a little bit about how you met Jesus, how you gave your life to him. Well, it was in 2009. I'll never forget the day. It was Father's Day of 2009, in fact. My daughter had been going to one of the higher ground clubs and for two years was leaning on me, Dad, let's go to church. So that's like a campus club at her school, public school, right? right? I think it was with the junior highs. She ended up winning a scholarship to go to Magic Mountain with Youth Venture. Oh, okay. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to meet some of these people. (laughs) (laughs) They're taking my daughter to Magic Mountain. I should know them. It's an overnight thing. I need to know who's taking her. Good. You're a good dad. (laughs) So we dropped her off at the Youth Venture, and the very first person I met was Pastor Neil. And he was one of the most genuine people I've ever met. Genuine smile, genuine joy, and I can just feel that from him yeah so the very next sunday i was like okay now we're gonna go to church and i'll never forget walking in the doors and there was a piece about it and i don't know how to explain that i'm gonna try not to get choked up had you had any background in Uh, church or christianity or anything i had a very abusive stepmother when i was little who forced us to go to southern baptist churches and she literally beat me with the Bible one time when I was probably nine. <laughs> you I think, probably oh, no. deserved it. <laughs> she, I think she thought I'd get it by osmosis. I don't know. Oh, no. But with the cruelty that I endured from her, I wanted nothing to do with church, Christians, wow. God, any of it. And as soon as I was able to get removed from the house, I ended up in the foster system for a couple of years until wow. they kicked me out when I was 17. Yep, they do that, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was incorrigible, (laughs) but I walked into the church and there was just this peace that I could sense and it felt good because I was a very hateful, spiteful, angry man at that time in my life. And it's so funny because the people that know you, nobody would think that you were that way. And I remember it was such a big sanctuary. wasn't expecting it to be so big. There wasn't hymnals in front of me to follow along with and no old rugged cross. Nobody hit you with a Bible? Nobody hit me with a Bible, <laughs> which is probably good because I probably would have hit back. <laughs> but I remember the first song was Lincoln Brewster. I think it's God You Reign. Oh, yeah. And man, that worship really hit me because I've always loved music, except I was a heavy metal, hard rock, had long hair. I remember getting home from church that very first Sunday and going straight to my liquor cabinet, grabbing my bottle of whiskey and drowning all of that. That was my habit for the next two months. Come to church, enjoy the opening worship, closing worship, gripping the seat in front of me, white knuckle tight. And then that Father's Day, 
I was supposed to go golfing with some buddies and there was just overwhelming urge that I wanted to be in church. I wanted to hear that music again because it was the only thing that really made me feel calm and feel peace. And driving to church that day, a song came on the radio that just really hit me. It was called When God Ran, I believe is the name of the song. And it's just a prodigal son type song. Mm -hmm. And I was weeping from that moment in my car all through service. Mark Hoffman, the pastor, was giving a message on the love of the Father of God. And I never knew that kind of love. <sighs> and there was a point where he looked dead at me and said, maybe it's time to put the bottle down. Wow. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I know exactly where I was sitting in the sanctuary. I know the exact spot oh on the altar that I fell down on. And, you know, as soon as he said that, I knew that it was time to to change my life. I've heard so many people tell me, and I'm sure the people listening have probably had this experience where the sermon's for you and you wonder why anybody else showed up because he is talking right yeah. to you. That's so awesome. You know, and at that point in time in my life, I was drinking a half a bottle to a bottle of whiskey every other night. Mm -hmm. but like I said, I was an angry, mean person. My family life wasn't what it should have been at that point. And that altar call came and I couldn't, get to my knees fast enough and I gave my life. God changed who I was. He changed what my family was. You know, the rumor is from a very reputable source that you're the really nice, loving, warm soccer coach, soccer coach. for the yes. girls' soccer team. The other guy, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, man. Poor. <laughs> <laughs> We're not mentioning any names, Andy. <laughs> You know, I love coaching soccer, but at that time in my life when I surrendered, it was exactly what I needed to hear, when I needed to hear it, how I needed to hear it, and it drove something home to me, and I surrendered then. And then it was like, okay, what do I do now? I can't drink like a fish anymore. And the thing is, going back to that point, the reason you're drinking like a fish is you're trying to fill a hole. There's hurt. There's things that are going on, and that's why you're drinking. That's why a lot of people drink. Yeah. And then it got filled with God. It got filled with God, and then it was like, okay, what do I do now? And I remember it was maybe just a few short weeks after I got saved and had quit going out with my friends, quit going to tailgates because I had season tickets, I'd show up to the game, but, you know, I changed. Didn't want to be around that. And Pastor Mark was doing his end times class. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, sounds like a great class. The <laughs> very first class that I took at Foothills. And that is a great class. It is a great class. And I remember it was maybe the third or fourth night that I had gone to it. And I was just sitting there. And Pastor Mark came and talked to me and, you know, what's going on? And I kind of explained to him that I've only been a Christian for a few weeks now and I feel lost again because I don't have any friends. He's like, well, are you showing up to church five minutes before and are gone five minutes after? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Re reading, reading your cards. <laughs> yeah, that's me. You know, you, you can't make new friends unless you stick around, you know. He always cuts straight to the point. He really <laughs> does. And it was like, that's so smart. <laughs> Whoa, revelation. So, started showing up a little bit earlier, making an effort to talk to people. Ended up getting connected with Byron yeah. Yes. Hey, Byron. Nebraska Byron. At the time, he's like, oh, you're going to be an usher. I'm like, oh, I am? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you'll start next week. I'm like, okay. Right? That sounds like Byron. And, and yep. now you're an usher of ushers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nick's 
assistant service director. Yeah. And God's just done amazing things. And, and that is has. an amazing group of men. Oh, yeah. It really is. Oh, yeah. Those are men that pray hard and hang together and understand mission. I think I have a little insight into if you came through the foster system, that may have been the thing that got you into the direction of what you're doing for your money. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about where you're working and what that's like. Well, I'm working at the Polinsky Children's Center. It's a facility for abused, neglected, abandoned children. We get children from newborns to 17 years old, 364 days on their 18th birthday. They have to go somewhere else, but there's extended care services for them. And when we first moved to San Diego in 2000, I previously had worked at a high school as a campus security campus liaison. I was looking for a job and somebody said, oh, have you ever tried the Polinsky Center? I didn't know what it was. Went, checked it out, applied through the county, got hired, and I could relate to those kids. Uh, I knew what it's like to be abused. There's a lot of empathy involved in working with those kids. And the first eight years that I worked there, I wasn't a Christian. But I knew that I wanted to make a difference in young men's lives, young kids' lives, that they don't have to grow up the way that I grew up thinking what was ingrained in me by my stepmother that you're pathetic, you're a failure. Right. You'll never be anything. And I just wanted to make sure that kids knew that there was more than what they're told they are. And then after I became a Christian, that really took off on how I wanted these kids to know that there was somebody that loved them. And how do I do that with the constraints of where I worked? And yeah, so you're, are you working for the county, yeah, essentially? Yeah, like government, yes. right? Okay, yes. so it's government. So you gotta, they've got some structure to that that doesn't allow you to just start you know, doing bible studies i guess yeah, so, i would imagine so i used to always wear rock and roll t-shirts metallica whatever acdc nirvana and as i became a christian those shirts got tossed to the side and i started buying christian type shirts and newsboys and shirts that had a scripture on them and i'll never forget the first time i got in trouble <laughs> for displaying my faith, because I like to say I wear it on my sleeve at work as much as I can. Like literally. I got pulled into the office by one of our duty officers and was told, you can't wear that shirt. I'm like, why? She's like, well, separation of church and state. And I'm like, I don't think you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and I was polite. I'm like, okay. So the next day I get the employee handbook and I'm flipping through the pages, find the dress code. And the only things that I'm not allowed to wear are shirts with profanity, any kind of vulgar or advertising like tobacco, alcohol, firearms. So I go and show her this. I said, it doesn't say anything about wearing a shirt that says God on it. And they left me alone. Wow. Neat. Well, I think too, sometimes if you're not being a jerk, yeah, if you're having some discernment and some wisdom, then they're going to go, hey, this guy does a good job and he really cares about the kids and it's not in the employee handbook. So I think if you're in that situation, work like a Christian. Mm. And what I mean is work hard because yeah. not all Christians work hard. They do a lot of fellowship and around the water cooler if they still have water coolers, I don't know. But work really well. Work up to a standard where people respect that and they go, that's how a Christian works. Right. I Amen. think that helps. Amen. It was the very first time that I had heard of Future Quest. Yep. And explain Future Quest because some people might not know. Future Quest is a three day youth conference that is 
what, 20 plus years now, 23? Oh yeah, a lot, years. yes. But it's three days of worship, breakout sessions, messages. Fun. Fun, there's so many activities in between sessions. There's food vendors now and- A couple thousand kids come. Lots of kids come. And I had taken a bunch of flyers for it because they were having this like little fair thing for the foster kids from different group homes were all coming to Polinsky. So I'm handing these things out and a duty officer finds out, <laughs> goes and starts taking them from kids, brings them to me. Are you giving these out? And I'm like, yeah, well, we can't do that. I was like, why not? You're promoting all these other things. Why can't we promote? A, it's a youth event. He goes, well, we can't promote one church. I said, well, it's not one church. It's non-denominational. <laughs> Yeah, okay. that's an event. There you go. <laughs> a lot of churches do show up. That's for dang sure. You know, he's like, well, you can't hand these out here. I'm like, okay. I'm just trying to find these little ways to share my faith at that point because I'm still a relatively new Christian. Yeah. And then I figured out the simplest way is to just mention certain things. Like two kids were about to get into a fight and one of them was really big, one of them was really small. I told the big kid, watch out, you might be his Goliath. He's like, who's Goliath? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you a story. Just little ways like that, sharing little Bible stories. Yeah, that's you know? brilliant. Good um, job, man. <laughs> that's impressive. You know, kids know that I go to church. Kids know that I have a faith because I'm not afraid to talk about it. It's just how I talk about it. I think I shared this with you not too long ago. This kid was really targeted and getting jumped by a bunch of other kids. I remember this, yeah. And... It broke my heart because he was really beat up, really discouraged, and I was standing and talking to him just like, hey, you know, it's going to be okay. It's not right what they're doing. And he's like, well, I guess all I can do is pray. And I'm like, that's absolutely a great thing. You absolutely should pray. And talked to him a little more. I just like, hey, do you have a Bible? And he's like, no, I've never owned a Bible. I said, well, if you ever want one, I've always got extras because I get them from you. <laughs> 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 the next morning, I made sure to throw one of those extra Bibles into my backpack and got to work with them. And about an hour of working with them, he's like, oh, did you bring that Bible? Where's my Bible? Uh -huh. Can I look at it? I'm like, oh, yeah, I brought it. If you want to look at it? Sure. So I gave it to him, and he opens it up and starts reading from the preface <laughs> and the table of contents. And he's so excited. He's like, I've never read a Bible before. I've never owned a Bible. And I'm like, I've got extra, so you can have that one. And he was overjoyed. He ended up getting released that day. And as he was leaving, he was trying to bring the Bible back to me. A social worker was there. And I'm like, well, that's yours. That's not my Bible. That's your that's Bible. Your, that's your Bible. That's not mine. Mine's, mine's at home. <laughs> it's little things like that. You just got to find little ways to, whether you mention your own faith or hear something that a kid's talking about and be like, you know, there's something to that. When I hear a kid like him say, I guess all I can do is pray. You want to foster that. You want to encourage that. Sure. They opened up the door. I pray every morning before I leave my car is, God, if there's a kid that needs something today, open the door. And more times than not, a kid will open that door just by asking me a question. I've had staff ask me a question. A year or so ago, this staff that I work with asked me, He's, you're a man of God, aren't you? I'm like, I try, <laughs> I try, and he asked me a question about, do you have to go to church? It's like, you don't have to, but you should. You can't feed yourself. You've got to have others pour into you. 
You can give and give and give and give, but if you're not getting anything in return, you're going to be empty soon. And I invite him to church. I invite him to church all the time, and he still hasn't come, but he still will ask me questions. Yeah, know? he's still asking and he's still watching. For me, Sean, when you tell that story, when you first told it to me, I think about the people who have come on the show. I think about Chris Fletcher and Daniel Gibbs and who did God put into their life that loved them, that spoke a word to them, that gave them a Bible. So what about this kid's story? There's going to be a time when he gives his life to Jesus and he comes on this podcast and I say, how did you get to the Lord? He's going to go, well, there's this guy. When I was getting beat up and harassed at this youth center, uh, he listened to me he prayed and he was with kind me. to me. And yeah, he knows you're praying for him. And he gave me a Bible, my first Bible. So that's what this show is all about. This show is be that person. Mm. Be that person because if you pray for opportunity, God will give you opportunities because he trusts you to step into them. So you've got a tricky situation, but you've got a target rich environment, right? Kids in trouble, you know? So I just want to encourage people. Find your Polinsky. Find your opportunity. Come in prayed up and be that person that gets talked about because you were kind, because you were living a life that got questions asked, right? It's not just all about the talk. It's about the walk too, for sure. You know, there's a, he's not a kid anymore. He's in his early 30s. About two years ago, started sending me messages on Facebook, trying to add me as a friend. And as a rule, I don't add former youth from the center. And just a decline, two days later, new request. <laughs> and just a re repetitive thing for a couple of months. Finally, accepted the request, sent him a message. It's like, hey, you know, what's going on? You keep sending me these requests. And he's like, I just wanted to say thank you. I'm like, for what? He said, I know you prayed for me because you told me back then that you were praying for me. And I want you to know that I gave my life to Christ. <laughs> yes. You kept denying him access you know? to yes. He At the time that he was there, it might sound sad, but there's kids that come through there and automatically it's like, that kid's going to go to prison. If he doesn't change his life, he's going to go to prison. Well, this particular young man was like that. And he had a brother who was like that. I asked him, what happened? Why'd you, why'd you make that choice? He said, I got locked up. I didn't ever want to be locked up again. And I remembered you talking about Jesus and telling me that there was more. And I just wanted you to know that you had something to do with me changing my life. And that's that, that really hit me. For sure. I bet. Because I don't take credit for it by any means, but to know that God's used me yeah. is, is a blessing. It was an honor to be able to be used and be put in a position. I often think after that conversation, how many other young men or young women have I interacted with in just a small way yep. that I'll never know about how it ended for them. Till you bump into them in heaven. There's a phrase that I hear a lot at this church is to grow where you're planted. Yep. And so I'm where I'm at. I want to keep growing there. I want to keep dropping seeds. I can't remember if Pastor Neil or Pastor Mike gave a message a couple of weeks ago where one seed 
yeah. grow a thousand trees. That's right. That's Neil's, Neil's teaching. It's funny how things like that just stick with me now. Because before I'd hear a phrase like that, I'd be like, yeah, well, that's what seeds do. <laughs> <laughs> but now it has such a greater, broader meaning that just one interaction with a younger person of just showing them love and kindness, compassion can be that first seed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right on. Is there anything, Sean, that you would encourage the people listening for their context that they're in? So there's thousands of different professions and situations that people are in. What have you learned along the way about thriving and growing where you're planted that they might be able to use where they're planted? Mm. Be patient. Don't be afraid to be bold when you need to be bold. I pray for open doors all the time. Yeah. And God will open those doors in his time. There's been kids that I'm like, oh, I got to reach this kid. And the kid's not ready. Mm. You don't want to turn somebody further away by being too direct. So you've got to really let God run the conversations and open those doors and allow him to do the work because we're just a messenger and a vessel. And if we allow God to do it his way, it works out so much better. So just be patient, be prayerful, be mindful and have your ears and heart open to those openings. Because I can be having a conversation with another staff about something at church and a kid will be like, oh, what does that mean? And you get to break it down and explain it to them. Just talking about how one seed grows a thousand trees, explaining that to a kid is an opening to them. You know, it's like, what does that mean? It means if I tell you something and you accept it, you go tell somebody else and they accept it and it goes on and on and on. Think of all the seeds that come from one seed. Yeah. So the seed is the word of God, right? And it can mean a lot of different things to people because you can plant some really bad seeds as well. But what it really smacks of, what I see in what you're doing and how you're being used is that it's a partnership. It's like in Ephesians when he's talking about you're his workmanship, you're created for specific things, good works to walk in that he's prepared beforehand because he's in these kids' lives. And maybe you're planting a little tiny seed, maybe you're the one that's seeing seeds that other people and you're nurturing seeds that other people planted. I think if we really treat it as a partnership, and he's the senior partner, we're the junior partner, that's when the adventure really comes alive. Whether you get those thank yous on this side of heaven or not, right. it's still being obedient and it's just glorious. It really is. The only other thing that I'd like to really say is to the younger people that are listening, the ones that have parents that were like me before, don't give up. Don't quit praying for them. My daughter didn't give up on me. And she was the one who planted that first seed. <laughs> <laughs> so just know that God hears those prayers. And same thing for parents who have children that are prodigals or have stepped away. Don't quit talking to them about your faith and inviting them back to church. We all need each other. Yeah. When we falter, when we stray, it's the people that love on us that help us come back. Add on. Sean, why don't you, why don't you pray for those people that are listening that you're given this excellent wisdom too. Yeah. Again, I just thank you for this opportunity to be here with Kevin and have this conversation. Lord, I do, I lift up the young people that are listening that might be praying for a parent or a sibling, Lord, that you would just 
be in those conversations, Lord. I know that you hear their prayers. Lord, and for those parents that are praying for a prodigal, I lift them to you as well, Lord. And for those that are in jobs where it's hard to share your faith, Lord, I just ask for open doorways and for opportunities, Lord, that you would pack their places of work with more Christians, Lord, because I know that all things are possible through you. Lord, and I just, again, I thank you for what was done in my life, and I'm expecting for what's next in my life and what this conversation brings, Lord, and the fruit it's going to bear. Lord, again, we thank you. We love you. It's in your name. Amen.